Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard.com Pop Shop Podcast. My name is Keith Caulfield, and I am the Senior Director of Charts at Billboard. And joining me, as always, is Billboard's Deputy Editor Digital, Katie Atkinson. Hello, Katie. Oh, hi, Keith. How's it going? It's going great. How about yourself? I'm all right. It was one of those weekends where I kind of worked for a good chunk of it. One of those. And um, I didn't... and I got up really early on Sunday, too, to sort of get a head start on the chart day, because we do we do chart stuff on Sunday, if you follow the charts on <laughs> Billboard.com. Um, so yeah, it was just one of those weekends where I didn't feel like I really had a weekend. We both had very Ariana weekends, but for different reasons. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that later. We'll get to that. Oh, look at you. Segue. <laughs> that wasn't even vaguely scripted at all. No, it, it wasn't. Um, well, as always, the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show, we've got news about Ariana Grande, Aretha Franklin, Taylor Swift, Rod Stewart, and even uh, news about a new song from DJ Snake, Cardi B, Ozuna, and Selena Gomez. All together on one what track. What a crew. What a crew. Uh, we also have an interview with Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran. Yes. Ed, Ed Sheeran. Sheeran. Ed Sheeran makes his pop shop debut. Ed Sheeran. <laughs> it's insane. We paid a visit to the chart-topping singer-songwriter to talk about his brand new Apple Music documentary, appropriately titled Songwriter. Hmm. So stick around for that. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast provider so you won't miss an episode. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit billboard.com slash podcasts. Okie dokie. Chart chat. Let's do the chart chat. Let's let's do a little chatting about the charts. Um, First up, Ariana Grande (laughs) or Ariana Grande. Um, I wonder how we're supposed to say it. Well, I actually just heard an interview with her where she said that when she was a kid, her grandpa said their last name is Grandy. Grandy? Yeah, they were supposed to be, you know, how a lot of people Americanize their names when they come from other countries. Oh. And, but then they, they kind of reclaimed it and put it back to Grande, which is Italian, and they didn't want it to be Americanized anymore. Well, I think the Grande I had down. But the Ariana, some people say Ariana. Yeah, I don't ever say that. I think she says Ariana, so that's what I say. Ariana. Yeah. It's like Rihanna. I think it's, Rihanna should really be Rihanna. Some people say Rihanna. Some people say Rihanna. I would like to just ask Rihanna and <laughs> Ariana. Ariana? Ari- Never mind. So Ariana Grande earns her third number one album on the Billboard 200 chart this week as her fourth full-length studio effort, Sweetener enters atop the tally. The set starts with 231,000 equivalent album units earned in the week ending August 23rd, according to Nielsen Music. And of that sum, 127,000 are from traditional album sales. A good deal of the album's uh, units were actually generated by streaming equivalent album units, which really just, that's basically a translation of the number of streams that it gets turns into this thing that we call a streaming equivalent album unit. It's fancy math, so we're not going to get into it. But speaking of that, Sweetener Songs actually collected 126.7 million on-demand audio streams in its debut week. And that is the largest streaming week for a pop album by a woman. Wow. Ever. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Right? That's awesome. That's crazy. I had no idea. It's also the biggest streaming week for any non-hip-hop effort by a woman. Um, Sweetener is the rare pop album 
that perform strongly on streaming services because generally rap albums are the ones that post really big streaming numbers in comparison to other genres. Um, I actually, and this is not part of our notes here, but I, I wrote in my story on Sunday how there were basically 41, there have been 41 instances where an album has had 125 million or more on-demand audio streams for its songs in a single week. That could be repeat weeks for a Drake album or Post Malone. And of those 41 instances, only four have been by something that was not a rap album. That's, yeah. Ariana's album, Mm -hmm. Ed Sheeran's Divide, and then um, two weekend albums. His new one from this year, Melancholy, My Dear Melancholy, and then the Starboy Album. And some people might even put him into the hip hop genre on yeah. occasion. I mean, he doesn't rap. No, no, but it's you know we consider those R and B albums. Adjacent. It is. Um, anyways, over on the Billboard Hot 100, Grande has two songs in the top ten at the same time, uh, which she has done before. But it's still pretty cool. Um, as the album's lead off single, "No Tears Left to Cry," rebounds twelve to seven. While God is a Woman jumps 30 to 8, a new peak. Wow. Uh, that song is benefiting from, I believe, sale pricing at iTunes, as well as um, the the impact of her performance of the song on the MTV Video Music Awards, Video Music Awards last Monday. And yeah. the awesome music video. Yeah, just the whole, you know, and also the, the, whole package. the album coming out. Um, Grande actually has a total of 10 songs on the Hot 100 this week. 10. Nine from her own album along with uh, her featured turn on Nicki Minaj's Bed, which is on Nicki's album Queen. Of note, Grande's song Pete Davidson debuts at number 99 this week. Now, Davidson is Grande's fiancé and a cast member on Saturday Night Live, and this gives us something we don't see every day, a song title on the Hot 100 that is also a person's actual name. Uh, We'll mention another example of a proper name charting on the Hot 100 a little later on the show. Hmm. Hmm. You know that song is one minute and 13 seconds long? Wow. Short song. Mm-hmm. What, what's it, how's it go? Uh, actually, the the lead like lyric has been trapped in my head for the weekend. Hmm. So um, it, it goes, I thought you into my life. Look at my mind. I really enjoy that lyric. I thought you into my life. I thought you into my life. Look at my mind. <laughs> That's literally the lyric, and I just keep thinking it. Now, now, did she perform this at the Ariana Grande show you saw this she weekend? She did, Keith. And actually, that's why I know the exact count of it, because she, she performed it. Saturday night for one of her Sweetener Sessions shows. Now, this, it was, was, this was a series of shows that she did that were like sort of intimate things during yeah, this week. Yes, and they're totally like Sweetener focused. She actually sang all but one song from the album oh. and only did two non-Sweetener songs because of it happening to be the anniversary of My Everything, her sophomore album, which came out that exact day, August 25th in 2014. Oh, okay. So otherwise, these so- these sessions have been entirely just new music, all the new music. Um, and so, yeah, she, she sang everything. And when she finished singing Pete Davidson, she said... That song goes on for another three minutes in my head. <laughs> <laughs> and that made me laugh. So I had to look up what the exact minute count of the song was. That's funny. Yes. Um, where was this show at? It was at the uh, theater at the Ace Hotel, downtown Los Angeles. How big is it? Uh, 1,600 capacity. Oh, it was... Glad I wrote an article about this because I've got all your answers. Oh, shoot. I'm sorry. I didn't read no, your story. I, no, no. I'm just saying like I, I can answer all your questions because I did all this research for did, the article. Did it appear? I'm assuming it was sold out. Um, yes. It was, um, I think, a combination of uh, contest winners uh-huh. 
Uh, you could actually just buy tickets. It was well. Amex sponsored, so like people who had Amex, you know, perks or whatever their reward system is, and industry people, press. There were still definitely people that actually just bought normal tickets. I think so. Because I think I, I I'm, saw. I'm telling an, you, I know. Yeah, so. I was gonna say. I think <laughs> I saw that they released a batch of tickets like the day or two before. Yeah. So I, I say this with vigor, just because I know that these these particular <laughs> shows they had a ticket bundle with them. So. Oh, okay. Did so not realize I'm like, that. I know there had to be real normal people in there. Everyone <laughs> I encountered was not there normally. Like the people in line with us were had were contest winners. They oh, had wow. won it off of a radio station and were very excited. <laughs> hmm. Wow. But it was awesome. It was um it was just like a an hour of just straight like sweetener. Um the fans were just living. Living. And yeah. she also didn't have like a set list. She just literally had people shout things at her like and like I said, she sang everything but one. So obviously the band was just prepared to play sweetener and she just did it in the order that the fan shouted things at her. Wow. So That's it was crazy. super cute. And her honestly the best part, you know, our coworker Steven asked me what the best part was. Her, like, onstage banter was just, like, hilarious and adorable the entire time. And Pete was there and introduced her. They smooched on stage to start the show. Sure. Uh, What what an intro. That was the intro. That was was the the pre-show festivities. It was super fun. Excuse me while I make out with my fiancé. Exactly. (laughs) Um, Well, uh, back on the Hot 100, uh, Drake's and My Feelings is still number one for the 32nd week. Um, no, it's like, I think seventh, <laughs> I think it's in seventh week. Um, someone that we've talked about, I think in the past, like three shows, maybe two, I don't know. Janet Jackson. Yeah. Uh, her we song. We talk about her every show if we need to. Yes. Janet, if you want to be on the show, just feel free to give <laughs> us a ring. Um, Janet Jackson and Daddy Yankees Made For Now arrives on the chart. Debuts at number 88, granting Jackson her 41st charting entry on the Hot 100 and Daddy Yankee his 10th. It also debuts on the Hot R&B Hip Hop Songs chart, giving Jackson her 50th, the big 5-0 hit on the list. Uh, nothing more to say about that other than that it shows up and I'm happy that Janet's back on the Janet's on the charts I would be I I love seeing um, my favorite uh, artists especially artists who you know where in this day and age it's just generally hard for artists of a certain vintage mm. shall we say to chart legacy artists legacy artists like like the next time when Madonna drops something obviously I'll be stoked but to see it on the chart if it charts but it's just also an achievement for anyone from like pre two thousand to get on the chart at this yeah. point. So like if Bruce Springsteen or Barbara Streisand or Bob Dylan, any of those people show up, it's just like, woo, let's break out the champagne. Because <laughs> it's just that you don't see that. For sure. Uh lastly, five seconds of summer's young blood, with the song that I've talked about how much I love on this show, becomes the band's highest charting song ever on the Hot One Hundred. As it climbs seventeen to fifteen, surpassing the number sixteen peak of Amnesia in 2014. So, yay, Five Sauce. Great song. Uh, plus, over on the Adult Contemporary Airplay chart, a chart that we don't really talk about very often, um, pop and rock legend or uh, veteran. or Legacy artist. Legacy artist. <laughs> Just going to keep spouting that. Legacy artist. <laughs> uh, Rod Stewart scores his first top 10 hit since 2012 as did not, didn't it, didn't, didn't it. Didn't it? It is actually hard to say. Didn't it? Didn't it? I wanted to say didn't I. Oh, yeah. But it's didn't it. Didn't it? Now I'm questioning if it's really didn't it. 
Uh, it climbs 11 to 10. The track is from his upcoming new studio album, Blood Red Roses, which is due out September 28th. And is this all original music? Because he's done a lot of covers albums yeah, in the last like I, couple I, years. I, I think this is new. Okay, I think awesome. this is. I think well, this I don't is know another one. song called "Didn't It," <laughs> so it's probably not a cover. I, li- I listened to the song yesterday. I actually enjoyed it. There's a there's a there's a woman who comes in and sings on the bridge. I'm really hoping it's. Does just, she sing "Didn't"? <laughs> I'm really hoping it's "Didn't It," not "Didn't I?" Because now I'm thinking "Didn't I Blow Your Mind?" It's definitely not a cover of "Didn't I Blow Your Mind." Amazing. Okay. Should we talk about the big headlines over on Billboard? Please, anything but didn't it? So starting late Friday last week and continuing over the weekend, a flurry of Instagram posts came in confirming a brand new collaboration and music video from DJ Snake, Ozuna, Cardi B, and Selena Gomez. Cardi discussed working with DJ Snake and Ozuna back in July, but the new Insta post revealed that Selena Gomez is also in the mix. And all we know so far about the new song is that it's called Taki Taki. That's spelled T-A-K-I. And one particularly cute photo from the song's music video set had director's chairs for all the stars, along with one tiny little chair for Cardi's new baby culture, oh. which I thought was really sweet. I'm waiting for like the, <laughs> co- collabor- the, the collaboration with a K with culture and Assad Khalid. Uh, <laughs> yes. K- I love Assad Khalid. Um, I want to say Assad Khalid. Well, <laughs> it's just it's like a pina colada. Assad colada. <sighs> Oh, stop. And then Cardi also tweeted a sweet message about working with Selena, writing, Selena Gomez is really what you think she is. A effing sweetheart. So sweet and laid back. So stay tuned to the Pop Shop for more details on the song, since this is all we've got so far. This is one of those things that's going to, like, drop before the show actually gets posted. Well, if it did, it's already here, guys. (laughs) But no, I don't think it will. It seems like a kind of thing they'll do an official, you know, New Music Friday release for. So I don't think it's going to happen. I wonder if Selena is singing in Spanish on the song. I wondered the same. Hmm. I love the entire idea of this. I'm ready for it. Makes sense. Um, So Aretha Franklin's life will be celebrated in song on August 31st. Switching gears. I did no segue there. (laughs) At a funeral in her native Detroit that will feature performances from 19 different acts. Well... Um, we'll, we won't tell you all of them. It's a long list, but there's a lot of great it's people. It's like, please tell me all 19. <laughs> the Queen of Soul will be celebrated at the Greater Grace Temple on Detroit's west side by nearly two dozen pop, R&B, and gospel singers, including Stevie Wonder, Shaka Khan, Jennifer Hudson, Faith Hill, Ronald Isley, Fantasia, Yolanda Adams, Shirley Caesar, the Clark Sisters, and Jennifer Holiday. With Greater Grace's Bishop Charles H. Ellis III officiating the service, along with the Reverend Robert Smith Jr. of Detroit's New Bethel Baptist Church. Obviously, Aretha's had ties to the city forever, so she knows literally everybody. It's going to be a massive celebration of her life and career. Um, The funeral will be private, but some public seating might be made available later. So, um, you know, stay tuned to Billboard.com to find out more about that. I'm not done with big names that are going to be there, though. I, I, I was going to ask a question. So if, like, the public can't actually attend, are they, is this, like, are we assuming they're going to televise some portions of oh, this? Oh, you know, we don't know that yet, but hmm. that would make a lot of sense. And it has happened with large funerals Like the, the Michael Jackson. Well, the Michael Jackson, actually, that was a public thing. Well, yeah, his, his, he, that was at Staples Center. Yeah, We're that talking was about different. A church this here. is a little bit different. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there was an example. I'm trying to think of what it was. There was a really, there was a really big one that I remember watching, and the Reverend Al Sharpton spoke at it. Well, it'll uh, come to you when you read the rest it of will. this. It will. So, um, in addition to all these performers, former President Bill Clinton, Smokey Robinson, the Reverend Jesse Jackson, Cicely Tyson, former U.S. Attorney General Eric Holder, music mogul Clive Davis, and Al Sharpton will be among the speakers at the funeral. Hmm. And then a separate tribute show will take place the night before at Shane Park, featuring Johnny Gill, The Four Tops, Gladys Knight, 
Dee Dee Bridgewater, Angie Stone, and Raheem Devon, among others. So, so people are lining up. So basically, all, all of R&B will probably be in Detroit. In Detroit, yeah. yes. Wow. Um, yeah, so it sounds like a, an appropriately, you know, massive celebration for, for Aretha. And finally, uh, when 16-year-old Taylor Swift released her breakthrough single, Tim McGraw, back in 2006, do you think she had any idea that she'd be performing the song with the man himself someday mm. in a football stadium? I don't know. Maybe <laughs> I don't not. know. Maybe she did. She does dream big. Um, that's what happened Saturday night when Taylor brought her Reputation Stadium tour to Nashville and was joined by McGraw and his wife, Faith Hill, to perform the song that started it all. The next day, she posted this caption to Instagram, along with, I think she put a little snippet of the performance on Instagram stories, so I'm not sure if that's gone. You know, there's bootleg video of it, whatever, but um, I think the official Taylor uh, video was only Instagram stories. But she wrote, Nashville, last night was the first time I got to headline that stadium. Every second of the show meant so much to me, and I'm so grateful to Tim McGraw and Faith Hill for coming out to sing Tim McGraw with me. I first came to the city in search of a record deal when I was 11, I'm just as enamored by being here now all these years later. Thanks for an unforgettable night. So that was really the first time she ever performed it with Tim? I don't know about that. It Mm. was the first time she played Nissan Stadium, Mm. where the Tennessee Titans play. Um, But I I don't know about that. I know I've I've definitely heard interviews where they've spoken about it together, but performing it together, I don't know. Like it was on the CMAs, the ACMs, when she actually sang it to Tim McGraw, Mm. who was in the front row. She should re-release it with him on it. Now that would be something. It was quite the dramatic reveal because she started off playing the song at a piano. And then she was like, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Faith Hill. And then Faith Hill comes out and then she sings a chunk of it. Mm. And then... You know, then Taylor's like, please welcome the real Tim McGraw. And then he rises out from underneath the stage, like big dramatic. And then they, you know, sing the rest of the song. And together. Nashville goes wild. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, she. it seems like she's been kind of like, she has like a sort of standard set list for the Reputation Tour. But then she throws a, a couple curveballs each night. Definitely little treats in every city. There's something special, whether it's special guest or a set list edition that she hasn't done in a while or something. Yeah. I mean, it's huge. It's a huge tour. She wants to make sure... It's a huge night for everyone who comes. Getting your money worth there. Indeed. And now it's time for our interview with Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran. (laughs) Ed freaking Sheeran. Oh, man. The documentary songwriter, which premiered at the Tribeca Film Festival in the spring and just hit Apple Music for all the world to see, intimately tracks Sheeran's legendary pop songwriting process from mere idea to chart-topping hit. We chatted with Sharon about why he wanted to let fans behind the curtain of the music machine and what it was like to let cameras into this typically very private process. Um, it's great, by the way. I need to I need to pass a link over to Keith to, to watch it. It's a totally embargoed link. Yes, <laughs> but it's uh, it's it's. It's just like, wow, how am I, am I watching this right now? It's total fly on the wall stuff. I mean, I subscribe to Apple Music, so I can actually so watch it So you can it watch now. it starting, it's, it goes online Tuesday, which okay. is when our show also goes okay. online. So, right. um, And uh, it was uh, actually directed by his cousin, Murray Cummings, which is why it's so Im- intimate. It's mm-hmm. like he lets his cousin come in and follow along, and it's, it's pretty magical. Um, so we chatted all about it with Ed, and we are so happy to finally have him on the Pop Shop. So please enjoy our interview with Ed Sheeran. I'm in love with the shape of you We push and pull like a magnet do Although my heart is falling too I'm in love with your body Ed, thanks so much for sitting down with me today. How you doing? I'm great. Um, we're chatting the day before your documentary, Songwriter, comes out on Apple Music. And uh, we learned from the documentary that your cousin, Murray, who directed the film, he's been filming you for years. So why now for this documentary? Uh, I mean, I didn't, I, I didn't commission him for a documentary. Like, it wasn't like we weren't filming for a documentary. He just filmed me 
for archive footage. And right. then I think I think he had the clip of me. Have you seen it? Yes. I think he had the, cl- the clip of me at the beginning on the bus, uh, right in the beginning of Love Yourself. And he played that to people. And they really liked it. And they were like, you should make this into a documentary. So he spent a year making it. And... Um, now it's now it's coming out, but it's kind of it's one of those things I didn't know I wanted <laughs> sure. until until I was shown it, and I was like, oh, this is actually really good. And it's somebody you trusted, obviously, behind the yeah, camera. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't have let anyone else do it. Right. Definitely, yeah. It definitely had to be someone that I was related to. And it almost, I mean, it feels sort of voyeuristic at times because um, you know songwriting seems like a very like private, personal thing. Mm. So um, you know, watching it back, was it kind of crazy to to see that? Um, like, does it feel a little, like, exposed to see that? Yeah, and I think, you know, like, it's it's also, you can, you can I, I kind of let myself go a little bit in um, the film. Like I, I go from very skinny and in shape on tour to just not really giving a fuck. Um, and that's <laughs> kind of... Not expecting to be on camera. Yeah, well, that's kind of weird to see as well, because, you know, as a as a artist in the spotlight, I mean, I'd like, I like to give off the impression I don't really care what people think what I look like but it's nice to feel healthy and in shape and you don't want pictures like that out there so having yeah so catching those moments of like in the studio of just like in sweatpants and a baggy t-shirt and just looking really unhealthy with long hair it's kind of hard to watch that Mm -hmm. and be like feel good about it but I just I don't know if I care that much because I know I'm 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 all right now yeah (laughs) um one thing I wondered when I was watching was how much lyrical input you like to get from your collaborators um because there's a lot of times where you're kind of like writing out loud so if you're if you're struggling for a lyric or something do you want someone to hop in right away and give it to you or do you want to let your like have some silence to sit with it and come up with it yourself i don't know i think it's good to it's good to bounce ideas off of people i think that's that's benny's biggest talent is knowing what's good and i think if you can come up with the melodies and the lyrics and the ideas and say them to him rather than he's not he's not someone that kind of like goes goes here's the melody what do you think he's someone mm. that you come up with the melody and then he goes mm, no and then you come up with another one he goes yeah that one so he he's there's i think there's d- so many different ways of songwriting but he's yeah. very very good at um editing sure that seems super important yeah to have that um and when you went back to your old school in the movie, um, it kind of made me think, like, the whole movie is basically a little bit of a class in pop songwriting because mm. some a lot of people haven't seen that world before. Did it come into your mind at all doing this that an aspiring musician might be able to kind of get a view into what it looks like? Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. I mean, like, all, all I ever say to aspiring musicians, like young kids that I meet, is just, like, always write songs. Like, all, like constantly write them. And don't worry how bad they are because they will get better. It will get better. If like, you're Ed Sheeran, they will. <laughs> no, because I'd make if you you can you can Google it. You can go on YouTube and listen to the songs I did when I was 14. They're not good, and like and like I'm not even being humble there. They're not good. People you get a real taste of one in the movie. Yeah, no, but it's th- awesome. That one's all right, but no, but go and like if you look up look at anyone listening to this podcast, go on YouTube and type in Ed Sheeran Addicted, and go, just go and listen to that song. I can't sing, and it's not a very good song. It's very out of tune. And I always play that to people who say, oh, but, you know, but you're you right, and you've had... Right. And it's like, no, you do have to just start from the beginning. I imagine the first interview that you ever did was oh, pretty... I'm, exactly. I'm hoping that wasn't recorded. No, actually. but no, but no, but if it was, if it was, you can listen back and be like, I've, I've improved so much. Yeah. But you don't just start being good at something. So, yeah, yeah I hope people watch this and just want to get inspired to write songs. Yeah. yeah. 
And well, speaking of aspirations, um, you have a fantastic line in the movie where you say, I don't want to be the male Adele, I want to be Adele, which I really enjoyed. Um, of course, this is probably tongue-in-cheek, but Divide did make you the biggest-selling artist of last year, the top Billboard artist of last year as well. Um, and it felt like you really understood how big this album could be before it was even out. Well, I think with, with the... Because with the, um, a, a, a lot of people kind of see that phrase is quite an arrogant thing of being i want to be the, the no no, no, no but, for sure right? no but i think i what the way the way i explain it is um you know if you if you if you're a basketball player mm-hmm. you want to be lebron james don't you you yeah. don't you don't you're not just Why happy else would you play basketball? yeah and i'm yeah. not saying i'm not saying that i could ever be bigger than adele but if you don't aim there then you won't ever get there yeah. so you know and she is the biggest selling artist since fucking Alanis Morissette so like in like 20 years she's the biggest selling artist so you should aim you should aim to be as big as Adele and if you don't want to be as big as Adele then don't sign a major record label Mm -hmm. deal you know just be independent and be happy just playing gigs yeah yeah but I think if you sign to a major record label and you want to be the biggest artist in the world you should aim to be the biggest artist in the world yeah, sorry, what was your question? No, I mean, that was the question, basically. I mean, yeah. and artistically, not just, you know, album sales-wise, you you said in the film also, it's it's the peak of my songwriting and musical abilities. Do you still do you still believe that or no, cause, something sense? Yeah, no, no, because you, you think, I thought that about Multiply. When I made Multiply, I was like, this is this is it, this is it. And then it comes out and you're like, oh, maybe it wasn't it. And then you make the next thing. So I think, like... I have that with songs. Like every single song, the newest song that I've written is the best song I've done. And of then course. and then I'll write another song and then I'll listen back and be like, ah, actually, that's not, that's not great. So, uh, yeah, I think like you just always, um, you always think the thing you're working on at the time is the best thing. Well, and to your point about LeBron and Adele, like if you're, if you're not thinking that you're making the best music that you've ever made, then why? Yeah, it? also like with Le- LeBron and Adele, <laughs> if, if you don't aim for the top of the mountain, you won't get halfway up. Right. And if you, get half, if you get halfway to being Adele and halfway to being LeBron, you're good. For sure. You get an NBA contract. <laughs> um, since you released Divide, you still have done a ton of songwriting, or at least songs have had cr- your credits on them, five songs that have hit the Billboard Hot 100, including um, Liam Payne's Strip That Down. Um, at the I've just of- done another one for him, oh, actually. That's really? Oh, for the EP? No, oh, it was, it was after. Yeah, it's okay. kind of like it's kind of like the big brother of Strip That Down. It's good. Mm. I, I really like it. Okay, that's a good tease. Um, at the start of the film, you mentioned we see you writing uh, Love Yourself, which, of course, ended up with Justin Bieber. Um, what, what is the major difference between writing these songs? Like, when you're writing them, are you always writing them for you or... or or do some of them feel like this? Will be I don't know because I or her. quite soon after doing Love Yourself, Bieber did it hmm. quite like very very soon after. Mm-hmm. So like I don't think I was ever intending to do that. Yeah. yeah, it's that. I mean, obviously you said also that that was the impetus of the movie, basically like him filming that scene. It was really cool to see that you know massive song kind of come out of nowhere. Yeah, um, and it really spoke to your and Benny's relationship too, the way it just kind of flowed. Too. Yeah. Well, he's Benny's having quite a fucking moment at the moment himself uh, now, yeah. isn't he? Yes, another song that you <laughs> had on that 100 is Eastside with yeah. Halsey and Khalid. We did that in a hotel room in Philadelphia. I remember doing that. And I remember at the time being like, yeah, I don't know if this one works. And then suddenly it's... It works. Yeah, well, I, mean, I can't tell. I can't tell. I can't tell what's a hit and what's not a hit. I really can't. Really? I can tell what I like. Yes. But, like, I'm not Mr. Tastemaker. I just, I just like... I just like... There's loads of songs that come out that i listen to of like pop artists that i go that's gonna be a smash and then it just isn't and i'm like oh well, maybe i don't know <laughs> whereas there are, there are some songs what was the there's some songs i just don't get either some songs that i hear that 
go on to be like the biggest song in the world that at the time I'm like, oh, I don't know if I like that. And then I eventually really love an example of that if you have one. Uh, oh God, I don't really, I don't, I don't want to throw anyone under no, the bus, of but like, not. but like they all ended up being big hits, but no, but there's just like, I don't know. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't know. that's, yeah. you don't want to say. That's yeah, but, totally but, fine. but like you, I, I just, my point is, I don't think I know what a hit is. I just, I just know what I like as a mm. song. And there's a um, great kind of arc in the movie where you don't have shape of you yet. And, and it's like the missing piece of the movie or the album rather. Um, you know, how does, how does that happen? You kind of talk through it a little bit in the movie, but like, how do you, you're like, I got this thing and I think it might be it. You know, how'd you know? that uh well that was actually a razor yeah 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 but it's kind of like made in the film yeah so i had i had an idea for a razor and i was like i think this might be the one and Mm. then i did a razor and then it just it was it just ended up being there was as soon as i did it i was like this is the first track on the album this isn't the song um but yeah it's edited the film's edited in a way so you think it's shape of you but shape of you was like an afterthought the album was done and handed in and shape of you happened and then yeah and then it kind of the album got opened up again and put on that's amazing. Um, final question. You have a little quip at the very end of the film, after the credits, where you tease a title for your eventual fourth album. I'm not going to say it. I won't spoil it for anyone who wants to watch. But um, is that a joke or a real possibility for an I don't, album I don't, title? I don't know what to say. Would it? Oh, well, um, you say subtract, maybe? Oh, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, that's not the next thing that's going to come out. Okay. But, that, but that is an album title that I've been playing with. And is there... Have you been in the headspace of writing that fu- that next fourth album? At I this point? do you know what I, I subtract was meant to be the third album, mm. meant to be, um, but and ended up divide instead. Yeah, well, it started off being the the reason it was divide was because it was felt there were six songs that were acoustic and six mm. songs that were kind mm. of like shape of U E new man, you know, and it was it felt like a, a divided album but mm-hmm. obviously when you mix them up it feels like an album so it was, it, that was why it was divided so it started off being this acoustic record that ended up being something else interesting yeah. alright well very cool well um, thank you so much for your time I really appreciate thank it thank you nice one alright dancing in the dark with you between my arms Thank you so much to Ed Sheeran for chatting with us about Songwriter. And like I said, totally check it out, especially if you're an Ed Sheeran fan. Um, This is spoiling nothing, but the intro scene. So the very first thing, I feel like I'm not spoiling anything. You're watching him and Benny Blanco write what becomes Justin Bieber's Love Yourself. Oh, wow. And it literally, like, when when it was first happening... I'm like, um, Ed, this sounds just like Love Yourself. Try to like write something new. And then I realized we're literally watching him create Love Yourself. So this happened a long time ago. I mean, that song's been out for many moons. So the, the cousin has been following him for quite some time. So this footage is spectacular. I wonder, well, I'll have to watch it now because I'm, and I'm sure people are wondering too. And I'm, and I don't want you to spoil it, but <laughs> I'm now curious, like, did he, did he intend on writing that for Justin or did he intend on writing it for himself? I will watch it and find out. There's no indication from, I'll tell oh, you now. Okay. I, I, I think that he probably wrote it like he writes any other song and right, some just, things end up with him and some things end up with other people, but, um, it's, it's pretty, pretty cool. That kind of reminds me of, um, what happened like when Taylor, speaking of, you know, Taylor and Ed are friends and they've collaborated together. Um, it reminds me of when um, Taylor posted those 
sort of behind the scenes videos of the making of Reputation. Yes. Where it showed like it was just her filming herself writing songs that ended up leaving voice notes to herself and that just, become hooks that become yeah. And it was it was like I can't do that. How do you oh, do that? Oh, that's the whole the whole time I'm watching it, that's exactly what I was thinking. Like, it, it's the idea of that kind of creative process stressed me out because it would be the kind of thing that I would want to entirely hole myself up and be by myself. And he's in rooms with all these other musicians doing yeah. it live. It's it's magical. Wow. Also reminds me, sorry, now I've just like devolved. <laughs> but if, like, if, if you dig this documentary based on what Katie just told me, I haven't seen it, but obviously I will. I you'll probably also enjoy when Dave Grohl did his uh, what was oh, it oh was it the, the sound sound city sound city yeah. thing where he went to like d- different studios across the U S and like collaborated with musicians so like he would show up and like just improvise and do a song with Paul McCartney or with Stevie Nicks it's or whatever a special talent that a handful of people have and it's pretty cool to watch it yeah you know unfold alrighty well now it's time for. The chart stat of the week. <laughs> this week in 1986, Steve Winwood got his first number one on the Hot 100 with Higher Love. The track, which includes background vocals by Shaka Khan and guitar work from friend of the podcast, Nile Rogers. Uh, it ascended to the top of the list, dated August 30th, 1986. Winwood would later top the chart for a second and so far final time in 1988 with Roll With It. Now, Higher Love would go on to win a pair of Grammy Awards, Best Pop Vocal Performance Male, as well as Record of the Year. It was a single from Winwood's album Back in the High Life, which was also Grammy nominated for Album of the Year. Now, uh, this is a longer chart side of the week, uh, for good reason. It's something I'm very passionate about. Okay. Higher Love also brings to mind one of my big pet peeves regarding charts. How artists who are prominently featured on a song don't get artist billing mm. on the single, mm-hmm. and thus go without a credited hit as an artist on our charts. For Higher Love, it was billed simply to Steve Winwood. Though both Shaka and Nile are billed as guest musicians within the album's liner notes, so it wasn't like he was ignoring them. On Higher Love, Shaka's voice is heard on the chorus of the track as she harmonizes with Winwood. But then when you get to the final minute of the single edit of the song, it's basically a showcase for Shaka to just wail, like, Bring me! You know, I can't do Shaka. I'm so sorry, Shaka. Um, further, both Shaka and Nile are featured in the official music video of the song. Like, they're in the video, like, performing with Steve Winwood. So today, had this song been released, it would have likely been billed as Steve Winwood featuring Shaka Khan. And maybe if Rogers had worked out a smart deal, even he could have gotten a featured artist credit, too. What makes this even more annoying? <laughs> Shaka does not have her own number one on the That's Hot 100. insane. The closest she got was number three with her own song, I Feel For You. I feel for you. Mm. I, I think I love you. Written by Prince. Uh, which uh, peaked at number three in 1984, as well as Tell Me Something Good, which was billed to, of course, Rufus featuring Shaka Khan back when she was with Rufus. So there you have it. This week in 1986, Steve Winwood's Higher Love, not featuring Shaka Khan, but maybe should have been hit number one on the Hot 100.
Winwood is listening. <laughs> I think. I think. Hi, Steve. I think Steve Winwood actually would agree. It was. Yeah. A, it was a different time in 1986. Yeah. It was. It was very rare. Features to see- in general were rare. No. Um, uh, there was actually a, a, a really fascinating podcast um, that Chris Melanfi, um, who's a big chart geek, mm-hmm. chart uh, watcher, um, has. Um, and uh, if you just Google it, Google Chris Melanfi podcast. And it was just all about the, the concept of featured artists, duets, and how sometimes people would be like, like have it's effectively a duet, but they aren't credited. Um, and now the phenomenon is just as such where like everyone, their mom is credited unless you were on, say, the Travis Scott album <laughs> In and, which case. and you're Stevie Wonder and you don't get an artist credit. Or if you're Aloe Black. Sure, Aloe and Black. Avicii. With the late Avicii. Indeed. Oh boy, that was longer than I anticipated. <laughs> That's all good. It's very passionate. Um, you promised us something earlier. Oh yeah, and you, I haven't heard about it yet. It was, uh, Pete Davidson is a, a proper name of somebody in a song. Oh right. What are the other examples of that? Oh well, the, the other example that I didn't actually address was Tim McGraw. Oh, there we go. I was like, wait, we didn't talk about that. I was expecting it in the chart stack. I was going to jump in and interrupt you, but then I just sort of got waylaid. Well, by, that's by, why I brought it back up. So, well, well thank you for addressing, like, because we, we teased it and then we just <laughs> dropped the ball. Um, the people are waiting. Uh, any parting woods? Par- woods. <laughs> words, words. They're they're difficult to say. Sherwood Those... Forest. Sherwood <laughs> <My> parting woods. <laughs> Sherwood... Sherwood Forest. That's difficult oh. to say. Sure, sure would. Sure would. For- it's almost as hard to say as didn't it. <laughs> We're going to find out that Rod Stewart song is called Didn't I. <laughs> no. Oh, can we go out on some Rod Stewart? Oh, yeah. Which one? I, I'm leaving this in your court. Do you think I'm sexy? Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> It's not what we're the song. The song. See you guys next time. Bye. 